Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 92 of the CU Insight Experience. This episode is brought to you by our friends at PSCU. As the nation's premier payments QSO, PSCU proudly supports the success of more than 1,500 credit unions. My name is Randy Smith. I am one of the co-founders of CUinsight.com, and it is my job on the show to have conversations with the best and the brightest of the credit union community. I get to pick their brains and see if we can't find a few nuggets that we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is Randy Salzer. Randy is the president of NAFQ Services, and yes, that's right, you get two Randys on the show today, so you know this is going to be a blast. We got to have a conversation over the summer for the innovation spotlight that NAFQ put on, and after we were done recording that, we had so much fun you know, having the conversation uh, for for that event that I I instantly shot him an invite, knew he had to be on the podcast uh, and have looked forward to that conversation ever since. Just a couple of friends talking credit unions, leadership lessons learned in life. This was a ton of fun. Uh, Randy shared some great stuff on remote work, keeping teams connected, moving fast and maybe even more importantly, failing fast. (laughs) We talked about innovation and credit unions, what they need to do to stay relevant going forward, what he thinks will stick around in the future that we've uh, all become accustomed to over the past few months and and what he thinks may not. We also, as always, had fun with the rapid fire questions to wrap up the show. I, I looked forward to once we can have these conversations again in person i just always enjoy a a good conversation with randy and this was no exception there is a lot that you can take from this episode i know i did so without further ado i give you my conversation with randy salzer enjoy randy welcome to the show all right thanks great to be here (laughs) Uh, I've been looking forward to this, my friend. Uh, interesting times we're living through. It gives us a, a whole lot to talk about. But let me let me ask you first. I'm a, I'm a big fan of you and your team over there. How's everybody holding up? I seem to be doing well. You know, have to uh, adjust to kind of this new cycle that we're dealing with right now, and and ready to move back into the in person <laughs> cycle again. But but again, everyone's holding up well, and couldn't be more proud of the team. Oh, that's fantastic. Any uh, hacks that you've found yourself, uh, you know, to keep everybody connected? You know, you and I were talking before we got on the air. I mean, there's so much going on. We're being bombarded with so much. There's been so much change. You know, I mean, that's inside and outside of work, right? So absolutely. Look, I'm very lucky because my team's better at the connection side than I am. (laughs) So I don't necessarily have any hacks other than having an awesome team around me. But, you know, learning to use Teams and Zoom and leading that way or even just communicating that way was was probably for me the hack because I had never done it before. I was always an in-person type of guy and the recorded piece is tough or the Zoom slash Teams piece is tough, but I've gotten to where it's really efficient and, and happen to enjoy it. So yeah, no, that's the that's the truth. I, we all had to to get good at it quick. A, a question I just started asking recently is, and part of it was that, like, you know, I've been on the CEO call every couple of weeks through this entire thing, where it's just you know, kind of people sharing the experience together. And I noticed quite a few people talking about like some of the growth that they had during this time. Right, you had to think on your feet. How have you personally grown as a leader over the past few months? From a strict technical standpoint, it's learning how to use Teams and Zoom, but but some of the ways where you try to grow from an empathy standpoint and try to understand what people are going through at their house, right? What are they dealing with, with kids going back to school or not going back to school or the unknowns of dealing with it? You know, I have a freshman in high school and a sophomore in college and the amount of angst and anxiety associated with that is real. 
And, you know, why do I need to work hard anyways? We're not going to be able to go to school or the common one I got over the end of kind of last year's school season was that this virtual stuff is all the things that are bad about school and none of the good stuff. And so, you know, that's <laughs> real discussions that you have to have, but it also happens with your team. And so Definitely. that's really where uh, I think that, that I've tried and, and hopefully gotten better is understanding that you know, we're not just talking about work. We're talking yeah. about life and all these moving parts that no one's used to. So that that's probably the biggest piece. <laughs> Most of us weren't here a hundred years ago for that last right. pandemic. So. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know much about the Spanish flu other right. than what I learned and read over the past six months. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's talk about credit unions a little bit here. Uh, you know, with all the disruption, you and I had talked in the past about the disruption that was going on in financial services. You know, historically, credit unions have been a pretty slow uh, ship to turn, let's just say. I've been impressed with how quick, you know, and how much I, I would say progress credit unions made over the past few months, that agility, uh, you know, since this beginning of COVID. What's been the biggest change that that you've seen, not only, you know, with credit unions, but also the partners that you're working with in the space? It, it's really been great to to watch so so we work with a lot of the medium and large institutions and and they're really pretty far advanced as it relates to the technology side and and any of their digital banking and digital engagement but no one knew the level of engagement that comes from not being able to have your doors open at your institution and not having those type of relationships so it's been you know just exciting to see how creative and, and and even small creative pieces like using a drive up window for an appointment based meeting with a member or small things just you know meeting at a coffee shop to try to help close a loan because it's easier to be socially distant there or meeting outside at a picnic table some of the stuff that they've done isn't necessarily groundbreaking but it's you know, a pretty big pivot. And a lot of the institutions, like I said, you know, we get the great chance to work with Daniel Wicken and Orion and Lisa Schlehuber at Elements and Deborah at Mission Federal and all these great institutions that from a technology standpoint, they're already there, but watching them react to this pandemic, like we just talked about, that there was no playbook and <laughs> to, to go forward with. And then the partners, you know, seeing seeing some of the strides that Allied Solutions made with with Pete at the helm. Oh, yep. this, the, the way that they react so quickly with product-based stuff, not ideas, like going from, wow, this is an issue to 60 days later, having a product to insure or help or help them operate is fascinating to watch. And it's yeah. fun to talk to him as his mind works and, and just be a part of it. It's been really inspiring to see both credit unions and partners thrive right now. Uh, Pete was a blast when he was on the podcast. I absolutely love the conversation with him. You can tell the way he thinks, right? Like his mind's moving. So fast. that's uh, absolutely, <laughs> I, I absolutely loved it. You know, how has NAFQ services had to pivot? You know, we were talking for quite some time before we, we hit record about the no in-person conferences, at least for this year. And the question I would ask is like, you guys, it, to me, from the outside, it seems like you've done a really good job with your pivot. Do you think this is here to stay? Are we going to see some kind of combination of it? What does the, you know, what do conferences look like in the future, I guess? Yeah, what's <laughs> been real interesting is that this is Randy speaking, not, not yep. the next, but we hope that the in-person does come back soon because we, 
there is no replacing that in-person relationship building, people's tone, body language, inflection. Those things are important and understanding that, but also just getting to know people is easier in person. We have seen some success digitally with some of our conferences, like some of the certifications, yeah. they do work pretty well you know, virtually, and it's a little bit easier to study and a little bit easier to do some of the things, but then it's hard to group study, which is a very important part of some of our certifications. So I believe, I think the easy answer to an incredibly tough question is inevitably down the road will be a hybrid approach to these conferences and and understanding what works best for your members. That's what we strive to do is how do we serve our members the best way that they'd like to be served, you know, not just what we think is best. You guys come conform to it. How do we serve them? How they'd like to get their certifications, learn about lending, learn about compliance, those type of things. And we've been lucky because we've been virtual for so long on some of our education that the pivot was from a technology standpoint, not incredibly tough, but I mean, incredibly comprehensive timing staff, you know, new like there's no title in our building that probably fits right now from a job standpoint, right? All of our jobs are totally different <laughs> from six months ago. And the team's just done an incredible job of, okay, here, this is what you do on site as a conference, you know, coordinator, but virtually we need this. And so really rebuilding the org chart and also rebuilding conferences has been a, a real challenge. And, and it's been fun to see how they've, they've come off in the last Geez, we've done four or five now. Yeah. So it's, it's been great. That's pretty cool. You know, something I just thought about actually while you were talking and is you and I were, you know, a few months back or a couple months back at a conversation. And I was thinking, I mean, at that time, you know, both of us, one of the things that I think why conferences are so important, not only the education and the networking and the connection is, but it's also an opportunity for people to, you know, see the new whether it's new technology, new products, new everything that's out there, like the like the actual like exhibit halls and breakouts on you know technology is important because how a lot of times the credit unions don't even know it exists yet, right? Like so, um, right. before we get to you know that type of a thing, that was a pivot that you've had to make. That's something we've been trying to do a lot too. Is you know connecting again all of these partners that you have and many of them we share with you that you know we're so used to being out on the road not only just at conferences but just you know doing the i mean whatever kind of dog and pony show right so it's like i mean that pivot as well on how to keep that that portion of it that knowledge base is i think it's been amazing across the board but i think it's also there's still a long way to go there too right so I mean, totally and do. it's tough because in the financial services sector right we're not the consumer electronics show we're not no. the the <laughs> ford car show where there's a new product every year to look at so some of that virtually education wise is is a lot more beneficial for people to come and engage with you know a new online banking platform a new insurance product yeah, a new yeah. whatever analytics platform because they're they're rarely new they're just tweaks or you know it's not like this fancy new Ford Mustang that it's out <laughs> or yeah. what's the new the Bronco right the, yeah. the old Broncos kind of, that's cool to look at we don't we don't really have those type of trade show feels so that does become tough in this industry uh, before but maybe virtually it gives you the ability to say, oh, I'd like to click and learn 15 minutes about what this product yeah, is absolutely. or as you're looking at those things. So we've seen that that become a little bit more engaging and hope that we can find a way, like we talked about, that hybrid approach is probably real because you still need the relationship side, right? Your trust and a lot of the things that credit unions just naturally bring to the table. 
on top of that education and execution phase as well. Well, I would tell our listeners to make sure to check out everything you guys are doing and we'll link to it all in the show notes because I know you're doing webcasts with some of the partners and you're doing, I mean, you're doing a lot of podcasts, everything. So we'll, we'll link to all of that stuff. I, I've been, like I said, my friend, I was, I've been impressed with the amount of content that you've been putting out to help educate and, and spread the good word. So, but we'll link to all that below. Uh, the, the last question that I have in this section is if we were to sit down a year from now, if you broke out that crystal ball, which I know is foggy for all of us at the current time, but uh, what are you most proud of that that your team at NAFQ Services has accomplished in the year to come? Really the quick, like we talked about, the it's not necessarily a pivot, but you know, within 30 days, 60 days after what, whoever decide what the first day of the pandemic was, <laughs> within 60 days, the NAFQ and NAFQ Services team partnered, collaborated, and delivered two separate conferences for over 2,000 people. Yeah. That's pretty impressive by any scale. And, and I promise you, it may have looked seamless on the, on the delivery. At least I hope it did. Let me just, let's just pretend like it did. Um, Absolutely. It was a lot of work and 16, 18, 20-hour days, old school stuff, just all day long trying to figure out how this is going to work. So that's really one of the things that we're proud of. And, and they've gotten easier as we've done, you know, two or three more now Absolutely. and we'll continue for this year. But that's been the piece that's been the best. That's fantastic. On to the second part of the show, the leadership and life hacks. What inspired you? That when I was doing a little homework for this, it actually uh, surprised me. You took the job in 2013. Sure. I, yeah. I, it doesn't feel like it's been seven years. I mean, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree. And I, I would say Dan probably says it feels like 20 years. So <laughs> I, I guess I'll qualify by saying I, I'm certainly by no stretch profess to be a, a leadership guru or a life hack guru. But, uh, the, it's funny because I knew Dan probably geez, 18 years ago in Sarasota, right after grad school, he worked with a mentor of mine. And so we met just working and, and kind of just coordinating young Republicans, young life group, and all these different things where Dan became friendly and then we became friends. And then that just kind of developed. And so when I was in DC, I worked for myself for six years from the insurance industry, then kind of worked into a consulting role for seven years. And I called Dan just, Hey man, let's, ha let's have a beer, just, yeah. you know, keeping a relationship. And we did. And then, you know, we talked a little bit and then, you know, he called and said, Hey, I may have an opportunity. And it, it was just kind of this, I guess, opportunity to work for the good guys, right? Credit yeah, unions right. have always been the good guys and they stand behind their members and they've always been there in crisis. And, you know, in the last crisis, they were the only ones doing member business lending. Literally, those are facts, not just Randy talking. <laughs> like, who were the credit unions were the only ones. So that opportunity to be a part of something uh, was probably the biggest draw. And, yeah. and also work with Dan and, and kind of get back into some of that fun environment, challenging as can be, but also uh, rewarding as yeah, well. So absolutely. How how has the inspiration changed in the past seven years with the time on the job? You know, honestly, I guess I'd say it's only gotten deeper. <laughs> Seeing how credit unions communicate with each other, uh, they share information, they support each other. There's they're sharing policies, they're trying to help each other through problems. Like we never did that in the insurance industry. If anything, it was misinformation, right? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, let me help you. I guess I, I love to see how they work together, and and it's a competitive environment, right? As fintechs grow and as it gets more and more depth and 
velocity of change in the fintech world, it's tough. And so together, it's just been inspiring to watch. So that's, I would say it's only gotten deeper, really. I love this industry. Uh, it sucks you in, doesn't it? Right? And I came yeah, from the, uh, time. The, the, the dark side about 13 years ago. So it's, uh, <laughs> and now it's like, I can't imagine. You know, as a leader, is there something that your team has heard you say so many times they can finish your sentence? They're like, yeah, we know Randy. Uh, yeah, probably so. I would say it's about momentum, right? It's about creating and keeping and capitalizing on that momentum. And I believe in it. I think yeah. it's real. And I think that it's also very hard to keep and, and create. So that's probably one that they're tired of. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, actually. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer myself. So but I hadn't kind of heard it put that way. So that, that's good stuff. You know, sometimes as a leader, we have to make difficult decisions. And, you know, maybe people don't like them in the short term. But, you know, it's what we feel is for the greater good. Have you always had that ability or is that something that you've had to cultivate over your career? I guess I've probably had the ability, but but what's made it better is you learn how to make that decision a little better, I guess, right? I made a lot of mistakes as a younger, <laughs> you know, person in the job field, 25, 26, 30 years old, you know, uh, you would probably say I'm arrogant now. You should have seen me at 30. <laughs> I, mean, I, I made a lot of mistakes throughout this time. And even when I talk to people at NAFQ or just people that I mentor, make those mistakes. There's nothing wrong with them, right? Don't spend a ton of time on it. Get it, digest it, understand the mistakes that were made, but don't waste a bunch of time beating yourself up on it. And I probably did in the past more than necessary, but I think those mistakes are crucial for learning. It's hard to learn from being right all the time. <laughs> you, know, you can learn a lot more from failures than you can by winning. <laughs> uh, that is true. You know, I mean, to stick with that, though, is there a mistake that when you think back to, you know, 25, 30 years old that you made or that one that you do see young leaders make often? Not listening to your team, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you've got a lot of support. Most every person's got a lot of support around them and a lot of teammates and listen to them. You know, I, I made mistakes when I was younger that I knew it. I was positive I was making the right decision, firing a person, timing of those things. You know, like I can assure you that Friday, and this is maybe small, but it's a big lesson, at least in my career, on a Friday night, don't fire the manager of the restaurant right before shift because <laughs> everyone else walks out and they get upset. Whether you're right or wrong. By the way, I was right. It just was the wrong timing. <laughs> you know, so it's just listen to your team. There's a, there's a lot of people around you that can give you some advice. You know, you'll have to make the decision and, and own it, but, but get, the, get as much input as you can before making that decision. Before you make that decision on a Friday night. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh my gosh. Is there a common myth about leadership that, that you would want to debunk? I think the one that maybe just confuses me or, or just doesn't fit me very well for a couple of reasons probably is work smarter, not harder. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. You know, I, I, I'm not very smart. I'll give you that part, but so you got, got, work. we, we got to work hard, man. <laughs> you got to work hard. And so that's kind of the one that I always, not always hear, but when I hear it, I'm always like, mm, okay, I'm not for working 70 hours a week just to work 70 hours, but I have. And yeah, yeah. okay. And sometimes I don't. So it's just one of those, that's the one I don't <laughs> necessarily get. It's like work hard and try to do it as smart as possible, but you'll probably have to work hard to get smart. So yeah, still have to, right, <laughs> that's well, yeah, that that's, uh, it takes the experience too. So has there been a piece of advice or a life lesson that you received that you find yourself coming back to over and over again in your career? It's probably a combination of a bunch, but one that maybe I just formulated is fail fast, 
right? Make a mistake fast and don't belabor it. Like I even mentioned before, right? Listen to your team, but go yeah. ahead and make the decision. Sooner or later, you need to make the decision, right or wrong. The, the paralysis by analysis or whatever cliche you want to throw is real. And so fail fast and, and move on and learn from it. You know, that's, I've talked about it multiple times on the podcast. I, for me, that was one of the toughest things was not to hang on to something that wasn't working. <laughs> like, right? to, you're, you're, like you've invested so much into something. You just like, you're like one more day, one more month, one more quarter, right. whatever. You know, it's like, oh, crap, two years has went by and still wasting this. Exactly. So, and you've yeah. invested every month in it, both intellectual capital and real dollars. And that's Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly it's like, nope, right. it's, it's, a it's perfect analogy. Yes. Learn to shut it down. <laughs> Uh, you know, so one of the things I noticed in the first season was how much people talked about their mentors and their network. You kind of touched on that earlier. That's how, it sounds like that's how you met Dan was a mentor of yours, you exactly know, back in right. the day. How have those mentors and, you know, just the network overall been beneficial to you in your career? Advice, right? Calling and asking, especially when I'm stumped, but also just they they keep it fresh. They keep the excitement for the job, right? Dan and I talk every day now. I love talking to Pete Hilger. It's certainly not every day, but when we talk, I, I always hang up invigorated, right? I, I feel great. Mike Lucher, Carrie from our team, Anthony Daly, like those conversations give me energy. So, so to me, that's a lot of kind of that mentor role is A, advice, but B, kind of that excitement of the grind and the thinking and, and achieving success. That, that's, that's part of what the mentors can really provide and challenging, right? You know, Absolutely. You know, I just have to say, I like from running around all the conferences, like I, you know, gotten to know you over the years and Anthony and, and Dan, but I really hadn't had a chance to get to know Carrie until she came on the podcast. And I was, I just absolutely loved it. Right. Like she was always busy doing important stuff or something. I don't know. Exactly. But it was, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, but yeah, I absolutely, she's been great to work with by <laughs> far the hardest interview I've ever had in my life was yeah. with her and <laughs> and the most rewarding. I mean, even yeah. afterwards I tell her to this day. I mean, it was it was very challenging, very rewarding and almost daily Carrie will challenge you and talk to you and give you advice and I enjoy it and appreciate it so much to this day every day. So, it's been great. That's so cool. You know, before we move on to the last part of the show, you have a free day. There's nothing on the calendar. What does what does Randy do to unwind? What are those passions outside of credit unions? With kids, it's probably most of the time. It's you know RJ plays lacrosse com- pretty competitively, so uh, it's different than when I was a kid. Right in the summer, my dad said, "Go outside and dig a hole or ride your bike or do whatever." <laughs> Nowadays, you travel around the country in these travel circuits, so a lot of the time is spent doing that. My daughter loves to cook, so we do quite a bit of what I consider high level cooking. I mean, hours to make a meal. It's really a lot of fun. So most of the time, what I do is kind of hang out with my kids as much <laughs> as possible. <laughs> that's awesome. And you bought an RV recently, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So what's funny is it's great to be able to, you know, as you travel, you know, like any other trend, um, although arguable, fairly normal, I think, but I yeah. bought an RV too at the beginning of this, this pandemic, but it was because RJ's traveling so much, you know, you're just kind of in this car and, you know, 18 lacrosse sticks and 22 pairs of gloves and <laughs> uniforms and helmets and everything else. It just works great. And so we really enjoyed that over the past four months is kind of getting out in the RV and, and then camping and, and doing some of those things too. Though, 
it's not quite camping when it's air conditioned and you have all that, but I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> it's a remote office. It's a way to get out of the house. We, very uh, true. We, yeah, very we, true. We, we traded in a car for an SUV just because we were like, we need more space if we're doing road trips. Can't get on a plane. So. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. The last part of the show, I want to be respectful of your time. This is the, the rapid fire questions. The questions are rapid. Your answers do not have to be. So what was Randy like in high school? And do you remember the first time you got into memorable trouble <laughs> uh you know probably just a jock jerk whichever yeah. one you want to say <laughs> probably i played a lot of sports and so that probably was defined me first time i got into trouble i don't remember there was quite a few to pick from <laughs> i guess probably was uh some sort of uh, altercation yeah, i would so. say fights and things <laughs> like that as a young kid trying to prove how tough I was unfortunately so (laughs) that's probably the first time I got into real trouble absolutely so you know we talked about this kind of earlier most of us stumbled into a career in credit unions in one way or another what did you want to be when you were growing up oh geez I probably thought I was going to be well I was going to be a professional football player for a long time and then (laughs) as I went through high school I always wanted to be an archaeologist. I thought that would be cool to travel across you know India and Africa and all these different places doing these cool things I've done neither. We're similar ages. So that was probably the Indiana Jones influence on right? Oh, that's 100%. 100% <laughs> right. Exactly right. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Wait, what's your football team? Who was the football team growing up? Who are you a fan of? You know, we, my dad was in the Marine Corps for 20 years. So we bounced around quite a bit till I was 12. And then he retired to Ocala, Florida. So I always liked the Bucks. Uh, okay. For the good or bad, I still like the Bucks. And, uh, Born and raised a Detroit Lions fan, so I understand the bad part. I Very still similar. don't know the, the good, but uh, <laughs> do, do you have any daily routines that if you just don't do, your day feels off? You know, recently it's been exercise. Since the pandemic, it's like, uh, you know, I find the time every day to, for me, it's walk, but Amy and I walk at least two miles every day. Yeah. Um, that's been great. But I also start each day by reading, uh, whether it's even see you inside. So, you know, whatever it is, I'm not just saying that because you might see you inside. It's NAFQ today. It's there's a lot of opportunities to read about the industry. And I I try to read things that don't necessarily align with my either political leanings or whatever my beliefs are and just make my own decision. Right. I lead, I read Axios, which certainly would probably lean more left than me, but then also I read some far right things. And so I'm probably fairly moderate as we've talked about before, but you have to read a ton these days to find the right source, I believe, because there's so many different uh, <laughs> options if you'd like. So, so many opinions. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny. I would, I haven't seen this data, but I'm assuming it's out there because Jill and I do the same thing. Every morning we walk a couple miles and then we tend to take one around dinner time as well, which is all new just since the pandemic. It would be interesting. I'm sure they could tell from all of our iPhones uh, how much more we walk now than <laughs> as, a, as a country because I know when we're walking around the neighborhood, there's a lot of other people. We see the same there's people every morning. Hundreds of thousands of miles been burned. <laughs> just burned walking. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's what we do the, the random question i'm now i'm interested to hear this because like i said i think we're about the same age what's the best album of all time that one you can listen to without skipping a song yeah so this one is it's impossible for me to answer i probably have the most or not the most but i have a pretty dynamic uh 
Spotify playlist. I've got Phantom of the Opera and I've got Tupac and I've got <laughs> Straight Out of Compton and I've got Pavarotti. And so for me, uh, I guess the the best album of all time is probably Leonard Skinner's uh, pronounced Leonard Skinner is actually the title of it. But <laughs> if I had to take one on an aisle, I, I also know every word to straight out of Compton. I know every word to the chronic, right? I mean, yeah, it was absolutely. my high school theme songs. <laughs> I mean, like I know all these words, but like to these days, I listen to a lot of, you know, Leonard Skinner or Billy Joel uh, or, or yeah, brothers, older. just kind of relax. Yeah. So I would probably say uh, stranded on an Island. I'd take the, <laughs> three CD box set of Leonard Skinner's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up. It sounds like we listened to similar things when we were in high school, but uh, come to, I, I listen to the Counting Crows station all the time now. And right. it wasn't like I was a fan of them when I was younger, but hey, it's a, it's, it's my advanced age. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm a reader. Jill and I have stacks of books all over the house now. Um, and many of them were recommended by guests on this show. Is there a book that either you've gifted others or that book that you just think everybody should read? You know, we talk about this with uh, John Spence. I met him six years ago at one of our conferences and he reads more voraciously than any person I've ever met by far. And then what I've come to find out as I've become more friendly with him, that he really only reads business books. He doesn't read any of the fiction or anything else. And one of the books that it, it's a nonfiction book, but it reads like a fiction book is uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. And it's just about the last great Comanche warrior in the final 40 years and all these different battles and just a really cool story. I got him to read that one. He really loved that. Again, it wasn't a fiction, but I'm trying to get him to just read a fiction every now and then. But uh, I don't read as anywhere near as much as him, but certainly according to his stats, I'm in the top 1% because I read at least two or three books a month. So. Yeah. He was, you know, after Dan was on the podcast really early on in the show, he recommended that John be on, and that was a blast. I mean, that, yeah. that's a that's a sharp dude. Uh, he, is, he really is. <laughs> and fun sure. to talk to. I mean, that's that was a good time. That's cool. Absolutely. Uh, I, I have not read that book, so you're, you're going to add to the list. That's for sure. Uh, you know, as you've gotten older, what's become more important to you? And my favorite part of this question, what's become less important? Um, the easy one for more important, is just time, right? yeah. time with your kids and time doing different things than you thought was important before. And then what's become less is kind of negative energy or negative insight. You know, I, I don't necessarily mind the constructive criticism, but it used to derail me. Like, I, I mean, okay. when I was 30 years old, that was important to me and that's all I would focus on. It would never be any positive. And now I've realized that it's not an important it's something you can look at and see and it's it's important but not enough to spend you know hours and let it consume <laughs> you like i used to as a kid so time is the most important thing to me right now and uh yeah the other side is self-explanatory <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. there, there is a question i didn't send you when you hear the word success who is the first person that comes to mind oh geez <laughs> um what a great question you know, Steve Jobs is one, right? And, and, you know, it's probably an easy one, unfortunately, but in spite of all that negative and everything else, he still kind of went through and, and, and kind of overcame. It's um, a, I love the question because it, uh, we all define success differently, right? So it could, right. <laughs> it's yeah, a good no answer. <laughs> well, thank you again, Randy, for being on the show and sharing your story. The last question I have for you, do you have any final asks of our listeners today or final thoughts you'd like to share? 
no asks. Most of the uh, listeners on your show are great friends of NAFKEYS and, you know, keep doing what you're doing because it's important in this industry. And um, that's really it. Can just keep in touch with me. I'm not a, a social media guru by any stretch of the imagination, but I will answer my email every day. So if anybody wants to send me an email, I'm happy to answer any questions. I, I was just, just going to gonna ask, what's, <laughs> what's the, the, the best way is shooting you an email? Yeah, yeah, probably. So I, I have the social media, but I'm very bad at keeping <laughs> up with it. So I'll say that. <laughs> uh, well, we will link to, to that as well. Uh, and everything we talked about today in the show notes, uh, you know, again, Randy, I thank you so much for, you know, taking the time. Please, uh, Stay well and stay healthy, my friend. Yeah, it's always great talking to you, my friend. We'll uh, look forward to doing it soon in person. Before we go, I would like to thank all of you for listening. We wouldn't be able to have this much fun doing what we do if it weren't for you. Uh, and once again, a, a thank you to Randy for taking the time out of his schedule to share his experiences with all of us. And a big thank you to our sponsor, PSCU. Our, our friends at PSCU have been longtime partners and supporters of ours here at CU Insight. So please make sure to click on their link in the show notes and give them some love. See everything they have going on to, to help out the credit union community. Two last things before we go. We are on all the podcast players out there. Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. We would appreciate if you would subscribe. Maybe leave us a five-star rating and even a review on the old Apple podcast machine. It helps with the visibility of the of the show. And as always, if you don't think we're worth the five stars, forget I asked. Just to reach out to me directly and let me know where you think we can improve. And finally, don't forget about the CU Insight Experience podcast book list. Get your next book recommendation from the amazing guests who have been on this show. Thank you all again for listening. I hope you have a great day and please stay well, friends.